Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined by Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Joe, uh, I hope you're doing well today at UFC 256 on the horizon. We had a nice main event this past weekend. Jack Hermanson loses to Marvin Vittori in a fantastic five-round fight. But uh, I'm just wondering how you're doing. Everything going okay? Yeah, it's not bad. Still here in my quarantine prison, um, which I'm, I think, day 11. I got an alert from the Arrive Canada app saying I'm a day 11. Day 11. So a few more days left in prison, and then I can uh, then you can go get to New back Jersey. to... <laughs> That's it. I'm going to New Jersey at the end of the week, which actually I'm really excited for. I mean, there's been dropouts in uh, one of our main fights. We had uh, a big rivalry in kickboxing is uh, Cedric Bay versus Myrtle Grunhart, the welterweight title on the line. And Grunhart just pulled out with an injury. Oh, so we're waiting to see a replacement. But uh, ultimately, we have Badr Hari versus Benjamin Attic Boy in that main event. And any time Badr fights... You know, the whole world comes to watch. So I got to be on my game yeah. December 19th. And Benny can win that fight. Benny's a great fighter. Oh, Benny's awesome. Benny's got the tools to do it. He trains with Rico Verhoeven, you know, our current heavyweight champ who's fought Botter twice. So they know Botter well, but Botter's Botter. We just had a press conference yesterday, and it's just he's got that stoic, mean, doesn't care. Like, he's coming for violence, and he brings a lot of attention. So let's hope this pay-per-view does well for us. And we get a lot more big shows in 2021. Absolutely. Uh, so this is, is this the first event of the year in December? This, uh, no, we had one in January. Okay. So this is our second, but uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, we couldn't continue with the roster. And remember, we're international. We don't have a big U.S. roster. So Europe's always in lockdown. So it's been really tough to, to put fights together. So this is our first and they've already booked uh, a rematch between Rico Verhoeven and uh, Jamal Ben Sadiq at the end of January. So things are moving forward. Mm -hmm. Things are moving. So we don't have the luxury like the Bellators and, uh, you know, the UFC to, to, to do what they've done. But we're slowly getting there. We'll, we're, we're climbing. We're fighting. Remind- we fought for many years to stay afloat and, and to battle with these other organizations. We're not going anywhere. Remind me what the, uh, the main event was earlier this year. Uh, the first fight of yeah. the year? Oh, I can't even tell you. I want to say it was Pech Panamaroon. It's been so long. Yeah. It's 11 months ago. There's no way I could remember what that oh, is. Oh, was I the last event. Back. I don't know. It was the last event. I can't remember. <laughs> okay. I can't remember. All right. Well, I'm sorry. January, I want to say, in Amsterdam somewhere. I'm that would be my Sorry guess, for putting but... you on the spot. Uh, all right. So Ooh. last weekend, Jack Hermanson loses to Marvin Vittori. Uh, that was a great fight. And I mean, this was how I thought this fight would go. I mean, I, I, I knew that Hermanson had more ways to win the fight. But I thought Vittori had the best way to win the fight. And often the fighter yeah. that has the best way to win the fight will win the fight. Yeah, I thought um, – so I actually watched it live, but I was kind of half asleep. It's these late events get me. I just – I mean, I'm getting older these days. I'm hitting 35, can't stay up. So um, I listened to a lot of the media, seeing all the social media, and everyone's talking about this big spectacular fight and how exciting it was, how amazing it was. So I was really excited. So I actually rewatched it to kind of um, – look into it. I thought it was a good fight, but I don't think it's as great as people were making it seem. I, I thought it that. was entertaining. It's not this fantastic fight. Like, I mean, I was expecting a lot better of a fight from all the reaction from everybody watching it. I thought it was a great fight. I, I thought both, you know, especially Hermanson, man, he's tough. The, the amount of left hands he mm-hmm. took and kept coming forward, breaking his foot, which was his best weapon that we saw in the earlier rounds. Couldn't use it in the later parts of the fight, but 
I thought it was a good fight. Not great. It was good. I mean, I think Vittori, I still saw a lot of holes in him. So I think to rush him already now for Izzy this, Izzy that, I think um, he needs a few more to get there. But good main event, good fight. The boys left it all out there. And I think that's what uh, fight, fighters need to do more. Just go out there, try to... Too many times fighters want to skate. Go out on the shield sometimes. And seeing Hermanson sit there and keep taking shots and coming forward and, you know, even the shots Vittori took, they, they showed a lot of grit. And I think that's what, you know, MMA needs more of. Guys digging deep, laying it all out there. Well, yeah, if you weren't in quarantine, though, you would have been down on College Street cheering for the first top five Italian fighter in the UFC. That's it. <laughs> even my dad's excited. My dad's like, my dad, okay, just randomly is like, Go message the Italian guy. I was like, what Italian guy, Dad? Just randomly. So he wants me to message uh, Vittori because he's, he's excited for him. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. My, sis- my sister sent me a text when uh, Natan Levy signed with the, uh, with the UFC off the Contender Series. She's like, do you know who this Israeli guy yeah. is? He seems like a nice yeah, guy. Like, of course. She, knows nothing. She, she was the person that, uh, that she's, my sister, this is how little she knows about MMA. She sent me, she watched the McGregor and Cerrone fight earlier this year. And she sent me a text afterwards saying, I thought it was supposed to be five rounds. That's what she wrote after the, yeah. uh, the McGregor-Cerrone fight. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's about the breadth yeah. of knowledge she has about MMA. Yeah, it's okay. They're watching, right? Yeah, she's People excited about Natan Levy. And... Yeah. Yeah, why not? I mean, that's what fighting sports was actually based on. Like, when I came up, it was always, like, even the older UFCs, Brazil versus the world, you know, Canada versus U.S. Like, people love putting that national pride into sports. And it's really, especially when it's with violence, like, people get really attached to their fighters. Like, look at Conor McGregor in Ireland. They're so emotionally invested, and they feel they're in those fights with those people. So, I mean... It's that's one way to build the sport is get behind, you know, the, the culture and then the background of the fighter. It's the first Jewish fighter we've had since David beat Goliath back in the year uh, 200. There you go. And, you know, we're very excited. Uh, <laughs> For sure. And uh, to, to all my Jewish followers, happy Hanukkah. First day of Hanukkah today. So, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I should have wished you a happy Hanukkah. Uh, as, as I uh, tweeted out today, uh, for, for the MMA community, it's happy Yanaka with a picture of Pete Piotr Jan. Happy Yanaka. Happy Yanaka. That's my MMA that's your joke, it? joke. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so to those celebrating, enjoy. Eight crazy nights. But uh, what else do we have uh, from you from uh, this past weekend? Uh, I'm trying to remember what what else was on the card. What else did we uh, did we see? There's so many events now that I'm 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 losing uh, my focus. Yeah, I'm almost more excited to kind of put this card behind and, and kind of jump into these next two because I'm because just there were excited. A million, a million people were taken off the card on the day of the fight. There were three fights that were yeah. scrapped. I was I was supposed to do my pre-show with Dan Tom at like at six thirty, and he sends me a message at like six, being like, "Hey, are we uh, pushing this an hour?" And I was like, "Why?" He goes, three fights just got canceled." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, very short card. I'm actually looking at it from top to bottom, and there's not really much for us to discuss when I'm. Well, I mean. Know, we can talk about uh, a lot of people talking about Jordan Levitt. Yeah, well, I mean, the way that slam and people now talking about should that, you know, body slam be illegal? I mean, I don't know about knows? that. Should it be? What do you think? I mean, look at I, the, the, the most scared I've ever been about the health of a fighter was when I was in Brazil and Rose Namajunas got slammed by Jessica yep. Andrade. I, yep. I was like let's like hopefully she gets up like you know that was there was like a, a good 30 to 45 seconds of just like silence in that arena and in brazil the arenas are seldom silent so uh that was uh, a pretty uh scary moment but that's that's where a lot of these scary moments come from it slams you're shutting the lights off yeah i mean 
I just think he's a, a unique character, and he's and he definitely gained a lot of attention here. I mean, I think people um, aren't used to seeing fighters with his type of personality, his type of character. Um, I think he's interesting, and I'm kind of excited to see, you know, where he, they're going to move him from here and how can he get, like, I mean, such a, if you talk to him, like, everyone uses the word cerebral, very intelligent, very nice. Can he get nasty when he needs to? Can he get in there and, you know, show violence to, to, to get up to the, the top of the division? I think that's what we're going to have to see. But while people are talking about Jordan Levitt, I was talking to Jordan Levitt. So if you listen to this week's uh, TSN MMA Show interview edition, I spoke to uh, to him. He was wearing a full-body Christmas-themed pajamas while he was at the gym. That's, that's the kind of guy this guy is. He's an odd fellow. But I like yeah, him for that reason. He slams people on their head. Me too. We yeah. need different people in the sport. We don't need another Conor McGregor. We have one. We have an Israel Adesanya. We have a John Jones. Let's let's bring in some of these characters. I mean, let everyone be themselves and express themselves the way they like. I mentioned that Syndicate MMA has him, Roxanne Modafferi, and Fil- Filthy Tom Lawler all in like one gym. They should like the, the karaoke sessions must be a lot of fun with those three. I was actually training there. I wish I would have seen him. He must have been in. Uh, camp or staying away but I, I don't think I, I, I maybe I didn't recognize him or notice him but uh, I saw Tom Lawler when I was at Syndicate Yeah, uh, Roxanne I did actually see in passing um, I think Jojo I saw in passing as well mm-hmm. Jojo yeah, Calderon yeah. yeah so I wish I would have known more of these guys when I was down there could have mm-hmm. been cool yeah it's uh, I'm, I'm really uh, excited to see his future he's a very interesting guy I mean like it's like you said, it's very rare. I always say, I said to him actually, that every MMA fighter has a weird quirk, has some sort of weird quirk, but they're so afraid to show it. This guy's not. <laughs> Which is what I kind no, of he's all it. into it. Yeah. But a part of me, I mean, I've been. Yeah, no, I'll pass. Pass. <laughs> all right. I'll pass. Never mind. Passing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Rewind the tape. <laughs> I rewind it. Yeah. yeah. I was going to go down a, a rabbit hole, but it's okay. Uh, he's, he... But I mean, sorry, keep going. No, he says he wants to fight next weekend. He says he's hoping that something opens up and that he could take, like, a catchweight fight. He was alluding to maybe having something lined up or something that was on the horizon for him next weekend. So we might see Jordan Levitt in just over seven days from now. Uh, otherwise, he says he's having, a, a, you know, he has a baby that's due in February, so he'd probably like to take some time off uh, before he fights again. But he says if something opens up uh, this coming weekend, he's, he's in. I think someone like that who gets uh, all this attention, it's nice to have a quick rolling on, you know, get that momentum going. Like, for example, Kevin Holland, like he one fight, he just keeps going while he has the momentum, while he's fresh. I think that's one of the best ways to kind of build the name for you, because if you keep fighting and then we don't hear about you in another six months from now, you don't get that steamroll. So I think now that a lot of people are talking about Jordan from the slam to the celebration to his personality, he needs to keep that rolling. So I think it's a good idea to keep him booked fast. And Joaquin Buckley, too. Like Joaquin Buckley, so few, so few people remember that he got knocked out by Kevin Holland. But uh, that, that spinning kick knockout and then that fantastic knockout in his last fight, you know, the, the momentum yeah. is going for this guy. And the engagement Perfect is going. Example. Same with Kamzat. Like, it feels like an eternity since Kamzat Shemaev last fought. But the, the momentum, yeah. like, that's the problem with that fight being postponed now is, like, it loses, he loses some of that momentum that he's got where people, like, he, he's starting to, people are starting to have him drift from their consciousness. But that's what yeah. is important about a lot of these fighters and, uh, and keeping busy. It's just crazy to think, like, even within a month you can be forgotten, you know? It's just, it's, you got to keep relevant. That's where I think fighters need to stay really important on social media. That's why you see the Conor McGregor's and the John Jones after every fight post controversial things after events. They, they, you got to keep your name relevant in the sport to, to be, you know, a powerful asset. 
So UFC 256 this coming weekend. I am so excited for Ferguson Oliveira. I was I was saying it in the intro to the uh, the the interview show. I think of all the fights this year, this is the fight I'm second most excited for behind Khabib versus Gaethje. Like I I can't wait to watch this fight. I know that it's not getting as much fanfare as a lot of other Tony Ferguson fights would get because Oliveira is not really a household name. And when I brought that up to Ferguson, he basically had a conniption on me when I said that uh, Oliveira wasn't really a household name. He's like, who cares? Who cares? But, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't care because Charles Oliveira is my favorite fighter to watch. I love watching this guy. And, I, and when you, look, you have him and Ferguson in the same cage, you've got so much creativity and, and so much excitement in one place. Yeah, I mean, Charles Oliveira, I mean could have easily been a champion at any time i mean he's just such a a veteran of the sport well-rounded in all aspects i mean this is a this is a very good fight i think it's gonna be very close i i never really thought charles Oliveira got to a ranking which reflects his you know how good he actually is but uh yeah i'm, I'm with you i think this is one of the fights that is guaranteed to bring excitement both guys are like to go for finishes, and I think you're right. I, mean, I, I stand with you probably as my most excited fight right now. Yeah, well, with Oliveira, um, it's always just been consistency. He had issues making weight at 145. He had, um, you know, he, he's had situations where he, he loses fights that he should win. But now he's, got, now he's got the momentum. He's got seven wins in a row. He's been making the weight. Uh, especially at 55, where he's like, he, sometimes he weighs in at like 152 pounds. I'm thinking, this guy must be trash at cutting weight. If he's weighing in at 152, he's probably not yeah. cutting weight, which means that he was having trouble getting from like 52 to like 145 at featherweight. He just must be bad at cutting weight. But uh, I mean, he's and tall you should and be lanky. drinking at that time if you are, anyway. Yeah, so. exactly. So uh, it, it's very exciting to see this fight. Uh, I, I know that Oliveira. Um, has what it takes to beat Ferguson. It's just a matter of if it'll come together. I know that Ferguson can obviously beat Oliveira. He's favored to win this fight. So uh, I just can't wait to see what happens. I, this is one of those ones where I look at it and I'm like, I don't know what, which way this is going to go. Yeah. I mean, I heard a lot of people saying Oliveira might have some weight cut issues. I don't know if that's no, it's not, something you've heard. 155 has never been an issue for him. Has he missed ever? I think he missed once at 155 in his entire career. So, I mean... I'm, I'm so people are just here. creating narratives. Yeah, I, I mean, has he missed it? When I'm looking right now, he missed weight. Yeah, no, no, he missed weight at 45. He's only missed weight at 45. He's never missed weight at 155 pounds. Is it maybe he got really big during quarantine and it's just maybe... Because he's taking this fight on how many weeks notice? Only about two, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, if anybody... He barely cuts any weight to make 55. Like, he's weighed in. I'm going to look it up on Tapology here. But he's weighed in, in in situations at like 152, 153 for like, 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 I don't think he cuts much weight. I just think he's not good at cutting weight. <laughs> I don't think that. Yeah, could like, be. Because, I mean, he's never could had a problem be. making 55 because I think he walks around at like 160 or something. He probably doesn't walk around all that heavy. Well, just from seeing Tony Ferguson this week, he seems just in a nice headspace right now. He's he's being Tony, but like a, a more confident I don't think he looks back at that last fight. He's just on a he's on his own little mindset. Yeah, for sure. He actually weighed in at one forty when he fought Anthony Pettis. He weighed in at one forty three. Like so, he's weighed in as low as one forty three. You know, but uh, yeah, he's never missed weight at lightweight. In fact, he's weighed in at one fifty two point eight. He's weighed in at like one fifty four, one fifty three. You know, so this isn't somebody who cuts much weight, if, if any weight, to, to make lightweight. So there's, there shouldn't be any concerns there. Uh, I mean, I could be eating my words in 24 hours, but who knows? Uh, but I, I, I just can't wait for that one. I think that that is a, a super exciting fight. 
that uh, we should all be looking forward to. And, and I mean, that's not even the main event. The main event is uh, Figueredo taking on Brandon Moreno. Uh, I mean, personally, I would have made Ferguson Oliveira the main event, but I'm always alone on that. I always think you put your best foot forward. But And uh, yep. speaking to Dana White today, one thing I really want to ask him about is I think that they should start looking at making co-main events that are non-title co-main events five rounds on pay-per-views. Yeah. Like I was going to say that that fight should be five rounds. Should be five rounds. Hundred percent. And they they can do that, can they not? Like I, I don't think that they would have a problem just saying to the commission, "We want this to be five rounds." The commission approves it, and there you go. Like there's no, I don't think there's any sort of rule because if you remember, fight night main events weren't five rounds back in the day; they were three rounds. So I think they yeah. can change. I mean, whenever they want. Part of me, I'm feeling like the, like in my career and in growing up, and especially being young, when you were put into a co-main event, that that's a very important spot on a card. I think people don't value that position on a card as much as you know we used to maybe five, ten years ago. I mean, you had your title fight, which is always your big fight, but the co-main event should always be a featured fight that people just that could potentially be the, the main event. So I mean, to be a co-main event spot should be almost treated like a a main event. So I, I, I agree if the fight, you know, warrants that it, it deserves five rounds. And that's one that for sure needs five rounds. And Tony's the best in five rounds. The most excitement he brings is round four and five. So that's where we want to see him put him in those late rounds. Yeah, and I kept bringing it up with uh, with Ferguson, and he, and he kept saying, oh, we're on the undercard, we're on the undercard. And I'm like, you're not on the undercard, you're the co-main event, yeah. you're not on the undercard. See? <laughs> See what I mean? It's yeah. that language. No one values the co-main event's position on the card anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, this is, uh, this is, I like a lot of the other fights on this card. Uh, Moicano versus Fiziev is a fun fight. Uh, the aforementioned Kevin Holland taking on Jacare. <laughs> Jacare, yeah. so Jacare was asked at Media Day, they, they said, What are you going to do if uh, Holland talks trash to you during the fight? And he's like, I'll break his arm. <laughs> I was like, Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. That's a good answer. And uh, I can't believe it's almost a pick em fight. Yeah, it is I a pick em fight. I would have honestly thought if I was a matchmaker, I would have put. You know, Jacare is a big. I would have thought at least a two to one favorite. Yeah, but you look at. I mean, am I, I not there's seeing a lot something of recency, in Kevin? Well, there's just a lot of recency bias, right? Like you've got Jacare losing three of his last, last four fights. Holland's on this win streak. He's looked good. It's. I think there is some recency bias involved. And not to mention that Jacare is now 41 years old. Like it was his birthday. This oh, week. he's just, up there just turned already. 41. But... Yeah, this week. So. uh I, you know, people look at these things and they come up with something. I, I personally favor Jacques Array in that fight, but at the same time, I wouldn't be all that shocked if Holland ends up winning. And I remember the odds that we were kind of uh, really thrown off was Surreal Gone being a minus 440 favorite. That's insane yeah. to me. Well, the odds on That's the odds on Junior Dos Santos by decision is like plus 700 or something. It's like, that is a very likely outcome for, for this fight. Yeah, three rounds. You got to think Surreal... Uh, knows how dangerous uh, Junior's boxing is, so he's patient. So, yeah, I can definitely see uh, that going to decision. But I'm also at one point, I mean, I always think about Junior DeSanto's chin not being the same as it used to be, so that kind of throws me off yeah. a little bit. Cyril's not the heaviest of hitters, though. This guy isn't one of these one, one-shot knockout type guys. He's a very technical striker. And that's why I, the you know I did my TSN Edge video this week, which is our, our, uh, our betting uh, vertical for TSN. And I said what I really like in that fight is the over one and a half rounds. It's like minus one twenty. Like this, this, this fight, oh, yeah. this fight should go into this like probably towards the end of the second, third round without a doubt. I would think. So the odds on that I would think, think are way so off. too. I mean, I just think Junior DeSantos is uh, fun because he'll he'll go out there, he'll he'll go out on his shield if he has to, and 
I mean, but yeah, I would definitely. I like that prop bet for sure. Junior's just been taking fights with all the guys that people don't want to fight, which is what I admire about him. So his last, his last four fights, Derek Lewis, who he knocked out actually uh, back in March of 2019. And, well, before that even, it's tied to Ivasa, and that's when Tuivasa was undefeated, and everybody thought he was like a total world beater. So Tuivasa, who he knocked out back in December of 2018, so that's two years ago. Derek Lewis, he, he knocked out March 2019, so that's just like a year and a half ago. And then basically murderers row, Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blades, Rosenstrike <laughs> are his last three fights. So people say, oh, he's lost Insane. three in a row. But like, look at who he's lost three in a row too. And he lasted until almost the third round with Rosenstrike. Yeah, I mean, that's a, he's a man that's been at the top for a long time. I think for him in his eyes, he doesn't think he wants those easy fights. He'll, he'll fight. It's those Brazilians as a culture, as a personality, like all the Brazilians are the same way. Like, I mean, I think they're just built differently. Nice I just really think they're damage free. These guys concussion free. Cause these guys have literally will fight till they're 45 and get knocked out 10 times in their career and still seem fine. Like it's insane. I, well, I spoke to junior. If you listen to the interview show, he's on there. I keep plugging the interview show, but I'm talking to everybody, Joe. I can't help it. Uh, so I spoke to him. And I thought you were talking to me personally because you know I don't listen all the time. It's not up yet. So it's not yeah, up yet. I thought you're more. So it's not up yet. I got, you have a okay, chance today to listen simple. whenever you want. If you want to listen to all five right. interviews, when you it's up, free. I'll go. I spoke to. Would you like to know who I spoke okay. to on the interview show? So I don't have to keep bringing it up. Yes, I okay. will. So we got Brandon okay. Moreno, the assassin baby, Tony Ferguson, guys, Junior Dos Santos, big Chase Hooper, very big Jordan Levitt. Oh. And Misha Serkinov. So it's a big show. We've got lots of good good hey. things. But to go back to Junior. I, I'm interested in Jordan and Chase would be funny little ones for me. Yeah, I'm Chase, interested Chase in both. I like Chase. But uh, the thing about Junior that, uh, you know, I was talking to him. He's like, I still think I can be champion. He goes, if you watch my last two fights, I still think I looked good. He's, he's like, I felt good. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. Uh, he just doesn't have a quitter's mentality. You can just tell that he feels that he's still as good as anybody in the heavyweight division. Yeah, and that's what you need to be able to get those big fights, that confidence. And I just like I said, these Brazilians are built differently. Like just the list of those fighting in their forties all tend to be Brazilians. Yeah. You know, it's just it's crazy to me. So yeah, good on him, still doing his thing. And let's see. I mean, surreal gone. I think this is more for him to build his name on. Um, but surreal gone. I think is on what four and zero. Oh? I believe in the UFC in yeah. the, in the UFC. Yeah, I think he's four, so, I mean, or four just, it's just crazy with his record. And I mean, he is undefeated, and but yeah. good on him. Good on him. So, uh, he's had a bit of a layoff. He was supposed to fight uh, a couple of months ago at, in fight Island, but his opponent was pulled from the card due to being under contract with the PFL still. So that was kind of a weird, weird circumstance. Um, before we continue talking about UFC 256, you mentioned fighters in their forties, the UFC parts ways, with Yoel Romero, which I thought was very interesting, um, and also parted ways with, not in his 40s yet, but Anthony Johnson, two older fighters on the roster. Uh, and Dana White says that we can expect to see 60 to 80 cuts coming up in the, in the yep. next little bit in the UFC. So uh, an interesting transitional period now for the promotion. But the question that I have for you about this is, like, are people going to be, I, like, I personally think they will, but are people going to be accepting of the fact that a lot of the fighters that they that are more household names are going to be replaced by new fighters that are less experienced, that are coming off the contender series, that are le- not quite a household name yet? Are they going to be patient enough to accept a lot of these fighters as the next kind of the new breed of fighters, the next class, um, and, and still watch events that might not have as many big names on them? Yeah, I mean, that that's going to be the biggest issue. I mean, I don't know what... 
like my question to you before I answer this question is what do you think the reasoning is for these cuts? Is it to just help with costs? Is it these guys they're paying a lot of money for aren't moving the needle like some of these other guys? So what is the reasoning for these big cuts that this big announcement? Is it they want more exciting fights to pressure guys? Is it a money issue to save money? What do you think the reasoning is? Well, if you're looking for exciting fights, uh, parting ways with Anthony Johnson is probably not the best way of getting that. But I, I, True, yeah. I just think I don't the Anthony Johnson one kind of makes me perplexed a little bit because – you know, I think to myself, like, you have a light heavyweight division now with John Jones leaving, and it's wide yeah. open, you know, like, and, and this guy's always going to give you exciting fights. The Yoel one, I kind of get a little bit more, because I think what Dana White looks at and the matchmakers look at is, like, what, what does this guy have left to give? Like, what, what he's, he just lost to Israel. We're not going to rebook that fight because it, it wasn't a good fight. You know, it was a disappointing fight. For the fans, uh, you know, it's a good technical fight if you're, you're, you know, you're really into that kind of thing. And it's a bit of a chess match. But for the people watching in the arena, not the most exciting fight. Definitely the least exciting of all of Israel's fights that he's had in the UFC. So you look at him being 44. They're probably paying him two hundred to $350,000 a fight. He was supposed to face Uriah Hall. Like you look at all of these, like, you know, what, what does a fight with Uriah Hall hypothetically bring to the UFC? What do they get out of that? You get a name on the card, but are people really tuning in just for that fight? Or are they tuning in because it's an event? So I think that they, they factor in all of these things into the decision. And also, do, do they do harm to their brand if, say, the PFL, Bellator, One Championship, any of these rival promotions ends up signing Bellator, or, or ends up signing, rather, Romero? And I think to an even bigger extent, are they concerned about competition at all? Like, I don't think that they're worried about any of these other promotions. I, th- I don't think that they pay attention really, to what's going on. I'm sure the matchmakers do. They're probably scouting guys or they have people in the department that do that, but I don't think Dana White's watching Bellator. Like, I don't think... I, I remember uh, Pitbull was brought up once at a press conference, Patricky Pitbull, who I think is like a top 10 pound-for-pound fighter in the world, brought up to Dana White, and, and they're like... And he, Dana, I don't think Dana knew what division the guy was in. Like, I don't think that they... Yeah. I think they're so focused on their own brand that they don't worry about competitors because at the end of the day, the more people that watch MMA and... The, and do you, are there anybody... Do you think there's, there's a single person on this planet that watches Bellator and doesn't watch the UFC, that isn't employed by Viacom, <laughs> that's like a fan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I don't think that they're concerned. Why would you be concerned? I mean, I think that they, what, they're, what their concern is right now and what, they're, what they want to do is they want to build young talent up. They want to build uh, their brand in other markets, which is really difficult to do right now during a pandemic when you can't travel to those markets. So what, what their focus is right now is, I think, building new stars. You've got Hamzat Shemaev coming up. You've got all these kind of new champions from different parts of the world that you can develop. You've got a lot of you know, contenders coming up in those divisions. There's just a lot of, for them to, to be focused on their own brand rather than focused on anybody else. And I think that that's really how they've changed their, their mindset is not worrying about the competition, doing your own thing, and trying to, um, trying to just build your own brand. Yeah. Part of me is more looks at it now as like, Okay, if it's like job security, this is what a union would do for someone would be like, hey, okay, just because you're can't fight for a world title anymore, we don't want you anymore. But at the same time, he still relies on the fight purses to make money. So giving him like a a Yoel Romero would be nice to do like they did like an Anderson Silva, maybe give him a few send off fights and be like, hey, Romero, 
we're going to cut you. You have this year to build your name, build your brand. We'll give you two or three favorable fights, and then we send you off in like a, in a parade and that kind of thing. So I think mm-hmm. something like that would be nice for fighters who've invested, you know, their life, their damage, their health, their brains for the company. It's almost like a little severance to be like, hey, let you get some favorable fights, end off your journey in good faith. But well, what I, I think what, now, what I, what I, think I understand good. though is that these were kind of a mutual parting of ways. Like I think what probably happened was the UFC called. Uh, Malki Kawa slash Abraham Kawa on one hand with uh, Yoel and Ali Abdelaziz with Anthony Johnson and said, hey, we're not really sure what we're going to do with these guys. We are willing to let them out of their contract if they'd like to leave. If they'd like to, yeah. yeah. I hope that's the case, yeah. yeah. Because ultimately, I think that if you're Anthony Johnson, you can make big money. I mean, he signed with Bellator basically immediately. He's probably going to make big money with Bellator. Not to mention that now you bring in a guy that can face Vadim Nemkov and then you either have a champion in Anthony Johnson who's going to give you exciting fights, or you prove that Vadim Nemkov is like the real deal, a guy that you brought in, right? right? So they kind of win both ways there. Um, Not to mention that, again, he's just going to give you exciting fights. He's Anthony Johnson. The guy's got, you know, boulders for hands, and he can just knock anybody out at any time. Still a shame he's not in the UFC. Yeah, I wish... I I will say I would love to have seen... It is what it is. It is what it is. I would have loved... That one I'm actually very disappointed about, because I would have loved to see... Extremely. ...what Anthony Johnson could have done. Extremely. But, uh, yeah, I mean, very dangerous. I was, one, disappointed when he told me he was going to light heavyweight. I was hoping he would have stayed at heavyweight and seen that power there. But, yeah, I think it's a big shame. I think he would have been great for the, for the division. So, yeah. so um, going forward with uh, UFC 256, um, unless there's anything that we didn't touch on there. I, I know there were some other cuts, but not, not quite as high name, as high level in terms of uh, where, where they're at in their careers. Matt Wyman being one of them who retired subsequently uh but looking at this event you look at uh that uh sorry that we've got uh, gavin tucker on the the card from canada taking on billy quarantillo that's a great yeah. and uh one, other, one other interesting one mackenzie dern versus virna janji joba uh you know janji joba's got some fantastic submissions but when you're facing mackenzie dern uh, you know, th- this could either be a fantastic grappling display or two or really mm-hmm. sloppy striking for, for three rounds that, that's what i worry about yeah, a lot of give, a lot of girls are giving uh, what is it, gender robe, a lot of a lot of good credit going into this fight. So they're thinking they can really give Dern a, a tough fight. Yeah, she deserves it. Former Invicta champion uh, and just a really solid competitor. So I just feel like Dern is uh, is the athlete that they really want to build in the UFC. So and it makes sense, you know, she's got that. The personality, the skill, the look, the mother, the I think she's got a perfect brand for, for the women's MMA. Yeah. Just for sure. MMA in general. And she also delivers all these really exciting submissions, right? So um we'll have to see what what she brings to the table. Uh, so news just came down actually that uh, Charles Oliveira's head coach um tested positive for COVID nineteen and is unable to corner him. So I don't know what kind of a difference that's gonna make for uh Oliveira, but something to look out for because Obviously, his coach would have been around him, <laughs> so which is yeah, that's could what be I don't get it. I mean, unless this coach was going else around elsewhere, but usually, like when we were there, we're, we stayed in a bubble with five people, so it's very hard to see how one gets it and the others don't. Well, I guess we'll have to see, but that's uh, that's not good. And Angela Hill was off the card as well. She was supposed to fight Tisha Torres in a in a good, uh, important fight, I would say, in the strawweights. Yeah, absolutely. That would have been a uh, really exciting fight. And um, I, I wonder, like, what does it mean for a fighter if your head coach is, is not available to you? Uh, how, much, how much does that hurt you? Uh, I would say a lot. I mean, a lot of 
um, confidence in the fighter comes from the coach. And uh, using me as, a, as an example, like my coach, when I made my glory debut, I was supposed to be glory five in London uh, and they offered me Paul Daly. And I was, I thought it was like, hey, Paul Dale is a huge name in MMA. He's got all this media attention with getting into trouble and stuff like that. So I was like, perfect fight. And uh, so I look at my coach and I'm like, man, that's Paul Dale. He's a killer. Like he's, he's phenomenal. I look at him and he goes, uh, I'm like, can I beat him? He's like, yeah. I was like, okay, let's do it. All it needed was coach's approval to to take the fight. It ended up being Marat Derechi the event after. But same thing. They're like, well, Paul Daly can't take it with some visa problems. Do you want to fight Marat? He's like, he's a legend. He's got all this fights. He's going to fight him. Like, yeah, you'll beat him. So I was like, okay, cool. So that's all the confidence that I needed. When he wasn't there, I felt it. I was a little nervous. I'm used to holding pads with him. Like pre-fight, I want to feel my my coach's pads. I want to feel the best my my mind will, will, will do. So now my training partner is holding pads for me to warm up. It's not the same. They don't hold on the right angle. My kick doesn't feel as powerful. It's, it's like a snowball effect that can really affect you. Unless he's a fighter that moves and has his pad, man. Like, I mean, I think everyone's different, but it definitely affected me. I didn't have my coach in any of my international fights. I had to fight Raymond Daniels and Nikki Holtzkin without my head coach, which I feel, and even my one loss in my career, like I never fought with elbows. I had no idea what to do with these elbows and I'm fighting, you know, someone who has 80 fights, yeah, getting right. split open. And my coach was, would say something like, well, if I was there, I would have told you like, well, you weren't there. Okay. So like it's, it's, so there's a lot of my fights and parts where maybe if I had my coach, it could have been a little different. Yeah. Was so that, I think that was the one you lost deal. by decision. I definitely do. Uh, yeah, because I got cut with an elbow and I didn't know how to. I, never, I didn't even train for elbows. I just took the fight anyways because there was no kickboxing. So I mean, even that case, even with Nikki Holtskin, like my coach, we we, we game planned for Holtskin months in advance and it was all about pressuring Holtskin. Well, I was a little tired. My low kicks weren't doing damage. I needed someone to tell me to adapt a little bit more, but instead I stayed stubborn and probably should have moved a little bit more. But I think having your coach there is is a big advantage. All right, well, I guess I really do. we'll have to see how that affects uh, Bill Bronx this weekend at UFC 256. And uh, hopefully yeah. he passes his tests. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's another thing we got to look out for. That's, I think, the most exciting fight on the card. You don't want to lose that. Yeah, and he's an OG. I'm sure he's fought without his coaches. I'm sure he's been in many worse situations in the past. So, I mean, I'm sure we'll still get a full performance. Yeah, so right now, as it stands... Uh, he is a plus 145 underdog to Ferguson, minus 165. That's probably about where the line should be. Yeah, I agree with that. We've got a Bellator card tonight. Um, Alimale McFarlane is actually an underdog against Juliana Va- uh, Velasquez in a title fight. That That's surprising to me. Yeah, I'm just looking at some of the odds now. I've been, uh, yeah, I've heard not much about those on the card, but Someone was saying to take a look at Cody Law. Not sure. He's a big favorite on the card, though. Well, he's facing a champion, Kenny Champion. Kenny Champion. <laughs> yes. That's a good name. Yeah, What's your that's name? A great Kenny. Name. Kenny, Kenny champion. champion. You're meant to be in the in the fight game. <laughs> that's it. We got to get you one, Aaron. Yeah. Bronstetter's not doing no, it. No, Bronstetter is, is certainly not a good fight name. Like if my name was, uh, you know, Aaron Fantastic or something like that. Maybe I would have gone in a different yeah, direction. I like my Aaron life. Fantastic. Aaron Fantastic. Didn't we ask? Did we discuss this once? If if we really had to do an Aaron Bronstetter fight nickname, I think we talked about this once. I don't think we came up with anything. No, hey, you just can't. There's nothing there. Just, I could go with Mr. Can't. Glasses. That's what Tony Ferguson called me this week. Mr. Glasses. Mr. Glasses. Yeah, that's pretty good. Did you Did you see I the like clip that. I posted on social media on Twitter with Tony giving no, me props? Yet. 
No, I'm going to watch right he goes, now, though. He goes, we know who the hardcores are. We know who the real guys are. Mr. Glasses. And he's pointing at the monitor. Mr. Glasses. Me. Mr. Glasses. Yeah. So there you go. That's now I have my cool. fight nickname. There you go. Because the nobody, shirt and nobody's going to be worried about a guy named Mr. Glasses. That's deceptive, right? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. And then we'll get you some good calf kicks and some. You're good. You're ready to go. Mm-hmm. It was funny. He said, uh, he called me Mr. Glasses, Mr. And said, Glasses and said, me and the Schmo are the real guys. And sometimes Brett Okamoto, but Brett needs to remember where he came from. And I think Brett <laughs> interviewed him like after that. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But I honestly, it's funny that you laugh. I was thinking the same thing. Brett needs to sometimes turn down the aggressive nozzle a little bit. Like Okamoto? he was interviewing Malcolm. Yeah, oh, really? he's interviewing Malcolm. So you, uh, hey, hi, Brett. Doesn't really say much. Goes right to Malcolm. You're a four to one underdog. How does that feel? Doesn't that bother you? That like I was like, try to give him a little warm up. Let him talk right into you. The biggest underdog on the card. How does that make you feel? Well, you know, this guy knocks everybody out in the first round. How are you going to deal with that? So it was all like, you're an underdog. This guy knocks everyone out in the first round. What are you going to do? He's the, everyone's hyping him. Like it was all like so negative for Malcolm. It was like that's a terrible pre-fight interview. Like everything is so bad. At least give him a chance of to like bring his side of it was all about you're this you're this you're this it was like oh so i agree with him el kukui i agree with you now he's <laughs> red Ekimoto needs to change my mind next interview you know i did an interview, I agree with I did you. A re- interview recently about uh one thing that i'm really i really envious about with red okamoto is that he like he's he's able to just like report the news on twitter he like never gives his opinions on things for the most part, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just he very like to. he's able to just he must he must oh, have like oh, very oh. high self-awareness because like He's never like if people say like whatever write insults to him, he just ignores them. They roll right off his back. He never, never, never talks smack to people on yeah. social media. Never makes it about him. I'm very envious of that. I wish I had that skill that I could just just you know have a smile on my face, yeah. do my job, and uh, and not not be con- not concern myself with that kind of stuff. You're like I'm doing pre-fight interviews in the next uh, next week. We're doing uh, some Zoom ones with some of the fighters. Even if they're the big underdog, I'm gonna say, hey man. You know, you may be not the favorite in this fight, but we've heard a lot of good things about you. Like, make nice, you know, help these guys out. Don't let this, you know, you just weighed in, you're exhausted, you're tired. You're a big underdog, man. How are you dealing with it? But when it? I spoke to Moreno, everyone this thinks week. you're going to get knocked out in the first <laughs> round. Like, come on, nice questions. Um, help these guys. Moreno was a plus 250 underdog this week. And I said to him, I go, um, you're, you're a pretty big underdog this week, but you've been a big underdog before and you've won fights. You've always been able to overcome yeah. that. And do you, do you enjoy Beautiful. being the underdog? That's the way you phrase yeah, it. Yeah, that's a nice, that's it. Not And he gave me a great answer too. Dry. He gave me a fantastic answer. Yeah. His answer was basically yeah. like, you know, I hear people say that this guy is like, you know, a, uh, the, a dangerous fighter, that he's the best flyweight, that he's the next Demetrius Johnson. And he goes, I have the last word on that. Great answer. Great way yeah. of saying For somebody who has English as a second language, that's a very profound thing to say. That he has the last... Yeah. I love that. That was one of my favorite quotes that I've heard in a while from a fighter. Is like, they, yeah. they might think this, they might think that. I have the last word on that. Because he's right. Because ultimately, oh. that whole yeah. bubble bursts if, if Brandon Moreno wins that fight. And I think Brandon Moreno is very capable of winning that fight. That's the fight we didn't touch on for 256, actually. We haven't really talked yeah. about the main event. I, I, I just love his energy and his personality. He seems like, I mean, a big kid having fun wherever... He is. He's excited. He's cheering. I was watching uh, the, the blogs that they have leading up. He's singing Christmas songs before training. Just a ball of energy. Like he was actually doing some uh, desk stuff I saw when I was in UFC. Uh, and then he was just a very positive guy to be around. Lots of energy. 
But uh, I'm telling you, I think Figueredo is a different animal, a different beast. I think his mindset is beyond, um, you know, um, most that we've seen. Like he did his uh, one interview I saw, he said something he's fixated with knocking people out. And I just heard that. I was like, man, that just gave me <laughs> chills to hear that I am fixated. And honestly, that's how I was. Like I would win a fight. And I mean, I think I went to decision once or twice. I was barely went to decisions but when i did i felt like i lost like i i fought medi baghdad and i beat the crap out of him bad like i beat him bad for five rounds and i won i beat this ufc guy ultimate fighter i was like i lost i didn't get to finish him like i should have finished him so i take those as losses and i mean you do get fixated so when i see figueredo's eyes when he says that like he is a straight killer like i i'm excited for the flyweights he's got me really excited about the flyweights so I like his mentality. He's he's got that look in his eyes that he's a real serious man who like I don't know, I'm just excited about him. It's rare for me to say that about a fighter too. Like he just has something in his eye that I know he's real. He's got like shark and eyes. I like it. <laughs> oh, he scares me. Like I'm watching this one twenty five. I'm like, man, I'm scared. Like I'm scared. I'm a two hundred pound man, and I'm scared watching you. Like even if he stood across me in the ring, I'd be like, that man wants to kill me. Like he really wants to inflict damage. He doesn't care about five rounds. He'll gas himself in the first round trying to kill you. Like he's just got that mentality, and I don't know. He's got me really, really keeping an eye on him. Well, he learned this interesting martial art. That's um, it, it's a grappling style of how you would grapple like a lion, like an animal, or a buffalo, or something along those lines. Like he's learned. This, okay. this style of martial arts that I think is in Brazil only, like, and I found that very interesting. That that's kind of like what his base is for grappling. It's like this animal, like this really primal Ooh. grappling. It's very, very interesting. But you know, the thing about Moreno is like this guy's gonna bring the fight to him, and I, I, I think yeah. this was the. I, I was surprised they they chose Perez the last time instead of Moreno. I think Perez is a fantastic fighter. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that the formula for an amazing fight is Moreno versus um, Figueiredo. Like that's just. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, you agree with the minus three hundred for Figueroa? I think I think it's a little too high, honestly. I do. I, I think that Moreno is such a talented guy. Uh, I don't know if Moreno's ever been stopped in a fight. I, I know he's lost fights before. I'm going to look that up, but I don't think Moreno has ever been stopped. And uh, you know, when you when you have that going for you, you know, somebody has to be the first. I don't think that Perez had been stopped either. Actually, maybe he had in the regional scene. But yeah, um, he has been. Yeah, it's only decision losses for Moreno. He has five losses all by decision. So Moreno's not an easy out. He's a great. He's a really good striker. His grappling has improved a lot, and it's uh, still very young. So every training camp, although he didn't really have one for this fight, you're learning a lot. So I, you know, I, I think that he has the tools to beat Figueroa, and I think that this line's maybe a little bit too high. I probably would have put it more in the minus two fifteen range, two hundred. 300, I think, is a little bit too high. That's where you start having to look for angles or you look at a parlay if you like Figueredo. But I think there's, yeah, really, yeah. I think there's really good value on, on Moreno at that price. The, the, the thing that's keeping me hesitant from saying that is that I picked against Davis and Figueredo three times this year and I've lost every time. Like, you know, I, I've yeah. been wrong every time. So I thought Perez had a good chance as an underdog, good value. I thought Benavidez in both cases had a good chance as an underdog. I thought the first fight, you could chalk that up to the headbutt and that's what happened. Um, and Figueredo has made easy work of them in all three cases. So, yeah. you know, that, that's where I think if this, if this fight was happening, it was like in six months from now, I'd be all over Moreno. But because I'm, I'm just a little bit cautious now picking against Figueroa because not only has he won, but he's dominated those three fights. 
Yeah, I can't pick against Figueroa either. Like I said, he has that. You want to see cliche eye of the tiger in there, but he's got that eye ready to go, and I think he gets the finish. The man's fixated on finishes. He's going to get it. He'll go for it. Once he grabs you, you love that fixated neck, on finishes. Fixated on finishes. That's that's my line. Uh, you have your line, Moreno. Mine is fixated. Yeah. Fixated on finishes. Fixated on finishes that's versus I've got the blue. last word. I've got the last word on that. I got the last word. Yeah, but regardless, I'm excited. I'm really glad to hear that this flyweight division has, you know, someone like myself who loves knockouts, who loves power to be excited in that division just shows, uh, I think, great stuff for for that, uh, for the the small boys. Yeah, well, uh, that's uh, UFC 256. And then next weekend, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal. So uh, we'll see if Jeff Neal watches your video and then we'll we'll, you'll be able to tell right away, right? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think Jeff Neal's got a very good chance, though. I think he's uh, that. I want to quickly check the odds. I on think Wonder Boy's a small favorite. Last time I checked, if I recall, which yeah, surprised me. I thought, I thought Neal would be the favorite in that fight, but I think Wonder uh, Wonder Boy's like a minus one thirty favorite. Minus one twenty five. Yeah, yeah minus one twenty five. Minus one thirty. One few have it at minus one thirty. Yeah. So, I mean, you're getting good value with Neil if you think that he's like a real up-and-comer, and I think he is. And Thompson's getting a little bit older. But that said, like, Wonderboy's not the type of guy that just gets knocked out by, like, power punchers, right? Like, <laughs> he had the thing with Pettis, but that's rare for him. He says that was the only time he's ever been knocked out. Yeah, and he, it's, and you imagine the amount of fights that guy's him. Yeah, you have to pressure him. You have to be okay, be, be okay with getting hit once or twice, but when you get inside, which I think Jeff Neal can do because he's not intimidated to get hit, he'll keep coming forward. And I think, you know, a nice straight down the middle like a Pettis shot could could do well for uh, Jeff Neal because I don't see Jeff Neal as a, an intelligent low kicker who can switch stances, mix levels with his rear kick. So I think the, the key to success for Jeff Neal is close the distance and smack that right hand down the middle. So good fight. 16 fights scheduled for next weekend's card. They're really they're not fooling around with making sure that they don't have a, a lot of withdrawals. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's just what's uh, I was actually shocked too with the, the announcement of Anthony Pettis with uh, Alex Morono. Yeah, that's a good fight. That was surprising. And then you've also me. got yeah. uh, Michelle Pereira versus uh, Chaos Williams. That's that's a fun. That's one. that's insane. My buddy Car- uh, Carl Roberson. I thought his fight was off. I read it was it was moved. It was supposed to be. It was moved this okay. weekend. Yeah, it was supposed to be this weekend. It got moved to next weekend. Hardy, Tybura, some really good yeah, fights. Great way to end your, your guy, Mohammed, Rob Diego Font. Lima, yeah. Rob Font. Rob Font, Marlon uh, Rice, Marlon Vera, Jose Aldo. Those are two fantastic bantamweight fights. Yeah, next weekend's card's yeah. going to be awesome. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. this weekend's card. Amen. It's all awesome, Joe. Yeah. I told you, these last two, I'm excited for it. I wanted to skip past the last event, but uh, this one here, these last two, I mean, I think we're ending off on a, on a good, uh, good end of the year. And then uh, I'm just that that break is going to be a little too much now. The next one is what in January? January seventeenth, I think it is, or sixteenth. Yeah, 16th. or sixteenth. Yeah, sixteenth. That's yeah. Cater versus. This is what it's going to be starting the year. Cater versus Holloway. Then there's a card on the Wednesday where they haven't announced a main event, which I think is going to be Hamzat versus Edwards. That's just a, a total uh, guess, but I think it's going to be the on which one? On the, the Wednesday. The Wednesday, the twentieth. They haven't announced the main okay. event. So they're doing they're doing sun, uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then the following Saturday is Connor Connor Poirier. The so Connor fight, imagine yeah. those are the three main events on Fight Island. That's uh, that's pretty intense. I like that. We almost have to wait a month for it, but it'll be worth it. Well, that's what I makes think it we're going to appreciate it now. Yeah, we'll appreciate it after so much 
so many different cards. And then uh, you've also got December 31st, don't forget, Ryzen. Great Ryzen card. Huh? Okay. Did you, yeah, did you always watch the, those the Japanese cards? loved it. Yeah, did you used to watch uh, those Not too cards, much. No? no, I used to watch them after. Yeah. But like back in the day, K1 used to do a, yeah. a, a big like fight card where they would mix MMA and K1 fights. Like those were legendary. It was actually one of my dreams to fight on one of those K1 New Year's cards yeah, or, you know, K1 commentate yeah. one, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was, or commentate one would be even better. Like I know, even Ryzen uses uh, one of my friends, though one of the original Chambers, right? uh, MMA journalists. No, it's uh, Ron Crockett. You got me, uh, John uh, Ferraro. Oh, Joe Ferraro. Joe Ferraro. No, Joe Ferraro. Yeah. Oh no, I guess he does do Ryzen too. No, he does Ryzen. Yeah. Him and yeah. Frank Trigg. Showdown Joe. That's right. Showdown Joe. Yeah. So I mean, he can get there. I should put in a word. Frank Trigg's busy. He's doing all his MMA repping now. Hey, <laughs> throw me in. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, that, but uh, Minowa Man on that card, that's what I'm excited about. The return of Minowa Man. Yeah. They should do yeah, Minowa think... Man, Anderson Silva. That's the fight I want to see in, in Ryzen. I think Ryzen's love those freak fights. Let's get all the old retired guys, the Giants, the Stars, <laughs> throw them all on Ryzen. Let's Japanese go. MMA. Let's bring it back. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Joe, it. appreciate this as always. Uh, we'll be back next right, week. Babe. And uh, we'll preview UFC Fight Night Wonder Boy versus Jeff Neal. Yep.